Hello and welcome. My name is Alice and this is the Backtracker History Show podcast, where I ask you to join me on a meander down through the archives to find out more about the people, places and events from the past. Most of these podcasts have been specially edited from a Bradley Stoke radio show in Bristol, England. And one of the great things about this podcast is that I can go into more detail about each story because there are no time constraints. And it's really easy to show your support just by spreading the word, leaving reviews and sharing with all your family and friends. It really does help. If you want to get in touch with me with show ideas, comments or information, you can via Twitter or Facebook by using at UK the capital B, capital T and a capital UK or emailing me at info at backtracker.co.uk Now, on with the show. Although today's story happened back in 1909, it could appear in any number of James Bond films. But this event happened in Mangotsfield, Bristol. And now we travel back to 1909. And what else was happening then? Well, on January 9th, the British Nimrod expedition to the South Pole, led by Ernest Shackleton, arrived at the farthest south reached by any prior expedition but they had to turn back due to diminishing supplies. On the 23rd of January, the Tottenham outrage happened. An armed robbery and the murder of a 10-year-old boy and a police constable in Tottenham, North London, carried out by two Latvian anarchists. On July the 25th, Louis Blairot flies a monoplane across the English Channel from Calais to Dover, winning a prize of £1,000 from the Daily Mail. On August 2nd, the United States Army Signal Corps Division purchases the world's first military airplane, a Wright military flyer from the Wright brothers. On the 17th of September, militant suffragette Mabel Kappa is among the first to suffer force feeding while on hunger strike at Winston Green Prison in Birmingham. And on the 4th of December, the University of Bristol is founded and receives its royal charter. But we're interested in John Notley, who was described as being of a restless, wandering disposition and had served a term of imprisonment the previous year and had only just come out in the December before. Since then, he'd been living with his parents, Jasper and Martha, who had last seen him on Monday the 18th of May before his death on the following Saturday. He was their eldest child, one of seven. The day after John had left, his mother and sister found that £123 and a gold watch were missing from a box that had been broken open. They informed the police and Notley was arrested in Bournemouth on the Friday and a considerable amount of the missing money was found on him. This money was his elderly parents' life savings. John Notley was a married man, separated from his wife, Mary, and two children, Bertie and Annie, 
would often stay with his parents for weeks or months at a time. He was also well known to the police, having been convicted in Bristol, Newton and elsewhere. In fact, he had been charged with assaulting his wife and her sister, Louisa Batten, on the 16th of March, 1895, in Bedminster. Louisa has said that her sister Mary had been thrown out of the house she shared with John and had gone to Louisa's for sanctuary. The next day, though, John came storming round and tried to get his wife out. He then punched Louisa several times in the face and neck. John said that the trouble started because his wife would continually go to Louisa's house, leaving him to get his own meals and look after the house. Mary stated in court that John would regularly hit her in the face and neck and she had asked for a separation several times. This time he was sentenced to 14 days hard labour and 10 shillings in costs. He was also fined 20 shillings and 7 shillings 6 for costs for the attack on Louisa as well as a further 14 days hard labour. In 1898, John had been charged with stealing an overcoat worth £2.15 shillings back in 1896. On the day it happened, the victim had given Notley his coat to leave for him at the George Inn, as he was going to Abbotsley. He gave him a message to leave at the inn, saying that he would collect the coat that evening. Instead, Notley sold the coat, so he was sentenced to three weeks hard labour for that. Word of the Week And for this week's word, I give you... Doodlebug, which, in train terminology, is a self-powered gasoline-electric passenger car used for small-capacity rural commuter services. Now, if you're into trains, this next bit's a bit techy. Also, it's a British Rail Class 153... DMU. Hope that clarifies the situation. Mind the gap. Dr. E. M. Grace, coroner for the Lower Division of Gloucestershire, conducted an inquest at the Red Lion Inn in Staple Hill on the morning of the 24th of May 1909 about the death of John Notley aged 36, a collier who lived at Bedminster Down. Matthew Notley, who identified the body, said he lived at 9 Wellington Road, Bedminster Down, with his brother, the deceased, and their family. He last saw him a week before, when he left home that evening. Detective Harry Clark of the C Division of the Bristol Police said that he had orders on the previous Friday to fetch John Notley from Bournemouth, and at 8am the next day, he had taken custody of his charge from the Bournemouth police and travelled with him to Bath by train leaving Bournemouth at 8.37am. Notley seemed quiet and appeared to be truly sorry and penitent for what he had done. During the journey, he referred to the charge several times and would start to cry. The detective did not handcuff him as he was allowed to use his own discretion and it was revealed that he had actually arrested the man before and had had no trouble with him that time. In fact, Notley seemed so mournful for his actions that the detective thought it highly unlikely that he would have any trouble on his journey. When he had previously arrested him, it was in Bristol, at the bottom of Old Market Street, 
and he'd had to take him back to the Bedminster police station. That was without the need of handcuffs. He was going to put the handcuffs on him in Bournemouth, but Notley had said, I do not want you to make a public show of me. I won't give you any trouble. And Detective Harry Clark believed him. Book of the Week If, like me, you're a bit of a cheese fan, then this book will be just for you. It's The Science of Cheese by Michael H. Tunnick, and it's an engaging tour of the science and history of cheese, where Michael explores the art of cheesemaking, the science that lies underneath the deliciousness and the history behind how humanity came up with one of its most versatile foods. Did you know there are 2,000 varieties or more of cheese from Gorgonzola, which was first noted in the year 879, to Rochefort in 10,007? Detective Harry Clark and his prisoner, John Notley, changed from the Bournemouth train at Bath and got into an compartment all by themselves, in corner seats facing each other of the Bristol-bound train. Their tickets were collected at Mangotsfield Station, and as soon as the train restarted its journey, the prisoner sprang into action and attacked Detective Clark, saying, I'll knock your eye out. That's when Notley hit him, throwing him back into the carriage. Before Clark could recover, Notley made a dash for the door, which was now open. Clark lunged at him with his right hand, caught hold of him by his coat collar and waistcoat. As Notley swung around, he managed to get himself jammed in the doorway and was out on the footboard. The train had by now gathered speed and was going at about 35 miles per hour, all whilst this life and death struggle was going on. They fought savagely until the whole of the right side of Notley's waistcoat, which was new and part of the suit he was wearing, broke coming away in the hand of the detective. Before Clark could grab hold of him again, Notley fell backwards out of the train and Clark immediately pulled the communication cord. The train stopped and Clark ran out of the train and found his charge lying on his back, dead. There were serious head injuries and it was thought that Notley probably only lived for a few minutes after the fall. A man named Edward Hale, who was a passenger on the train, came out to see if he could help in any way, and together they went looking for further help, as well as a doctor. Police surgeon Golder and two constables arrived and took the body to the Red Lion Inn in Staple Hill. Just in, a man in Bradley Stoke admits that he was addicted to the hokey cokey, but luckily he's managed to turn himself around. In a reply to a juryman during the inquest, Detective Clark said 
that it was normal to send just one officer to fetch a prisoner. The juryman replied that the safest plan would have been to have two officers, as the detective might have fallen out too. Detective Clark replied, If I had not caught hold of the handle of the door, I should have gone out. Edward Hale of Tewell Road, Staple Hill, said that his attention was caught by the train being stationary, and he saw two people running along the railway towards the train, and they called to him. When he had joined them, he saw the body of Nutley at the side of the tracks, and his first impression was that the man had died quickly. Edward had been working on the line, but not the side where Notley had fallen. Detective Inspector John Tanner said that he had been in the police force for 20 years, and he argued that it was the usual custom to send only one officer to arrest a prisoner unless there was some special reason to the contrary. If they imagined the prisoner was likely to try to escape, two men would be sent. Distance didn't matter, and it was at the officer's discretion. It was rather awkward on a railway carriage if anything happened, and the prisoner was handcuffed. The prisoner would then generally be handcuffed to the officer, and as Clark had previous experience arresting Notley, and he had never before shown a tendency to escape, Notley wasn't handcuffed. Dr Morris Barber of High Street, Staple Hill, said... I was called at 20 minutes past 11 on Saturday morning to attend to someone who had jumped out of a train. I went to the place by motor car and examined a well-built man who had no broken limbs. He had no doubt fractured the base of his skull and had died almost immediately. I considered the man fell backwards out of the carriage and alighted on his head. In reply to a question from a juryman, the doctor said that Notley had moved a little after falling. And now for the final part of our story today, the verdict. The jury returned a verdict that Notley died from a fractured base of the skull, caused by trying to escape from a train while in custody. A rider was added, exonerating the detective from blame. A juryman said that he thought it was the intention of the man to throw the officer from the train, and it was possible that Notley might have appeared on a charge of murder. The coroner said that they were all sorry for the cause of the man's death. It appeared to be the custom in Bristol to only send one officer if the prisoner was considered quiet. One juryman said that the officer had had to deal with a very desperate character, whilst another said that they had no proof of Notley's tendency to be a dangerous man. What Notley had done was in a state of frenzy. The last word was from the foreman, Mr G Neal, who said, It seems that more than one officer should have been sent. John was buried in St Peter's, Bishopsworth, Bristol, on the 27th of May, 1909. Back in the day facts. Let's start off with the 23rd of January in 1849 when Bristolian Elizabeth Blackwell becomes the first woman in the US to earn a medical degree. And if you think her name sounds familiar, well, we did a show about her last year and it should be on Mixcloud if you look her up.
On the 24th of January, in 41 AD, Roman Emperor Caligula was assassinated. Also on the 24th, but in 1908, English soldier Robert Baden-Powell organised England's first Boy Scout troop. On the 25th of January, 1824, the first Winter Olympics were held in Chamonix, France, with 16 competing nations. In 1955, on the 26th of January, Eddie Van Halen, the Dutch-American rock guitarist, was born in the Netherlands. He was the main songwriter and guitarist of the rock band Van Halen, which he co-founded in 1972 with his brother, drummer Alex Van Halen, bassist Mark Stone and singer David Lee Roth. He died of a stroke at St John's Health Centre in Santa Monica, California, on the 6th of October last year at the age of only 65. On the 28th of January in 1813, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice was published by Thomas Egerton in the United Kingdom. Austen had sold the copyright for the novel to Thomas Egerton from the military library, Whitehall, in exchange for only £110. And Egerton would go on to make £450 from just the first two editions alone. And lastly, on the 29th of January in 1980, the US comedian Jimmy Durant passed away. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jam so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. I hope you've enjoyed today's show, which was brought to life by the vocal talents of Marcus KP and Steve Shepard from Bradley Stoke Radio, as well as Joe Wilson and Molly Jeffries from St. Stephen's Drama Group in Soundwell. Today is your lucky day, for I have a cheeky little backtracker bonus for you. And today's one is about Constable Samuel Ernest Watkins. His story ends in a place near Kildorery, County Cork, Ireland, on the evening of Saturday the 7th of August 1920, when a patrol numbering seven were completely surprised within their own barracks by a deadly hail of bullets. They took the best cover available and made a sturdy defence for an hour, when all of them the exception of one, was seriously wounded. The Sinn Féin party had in attendance an ambulance with nurses attending to their wounded. The police had no alternative but to surrender, and their assailants, who outnumbered them by 20 to 1, relieved them of their weapons and other equipment and then made off. The policemen were in a shocking state, and one of their number, Constable Watkins, who was recently recruited from England, was dying. They were taken to Fermoy Military Hospital for treatment where Constable Watkins succumbed soon after admission. Samuel Ernest Watkins, aged 29 from Monmouthshire, had been a soldier and an engineer prior to joining the Irish police. He had less than two months of service with the RIC after arriving from England. 
His body was returned to England for burial on 11th of August 1920 and he is buried in St James Church, Mangotsfield. The killing of Constable Watkins and the wounding of his five comrades reportedly led to the reprisal shooting of civilian Dennis O'Donnell of Meadstown near Kildorory on the 23rd of November 1920. His death in turn became the reason for the IRA ambush of members of the Buffs East Kent Regiment at Lambacalli on the 26th of November when two British soldiers were killed and three others were wounded. These losses prompted yet another outbreak of troops at Vimoy. I hope you enjoyed that backtracker bonus. They're just little stories that wouldn't take up a whole show, but are still interesting in their own right. You have been listening to me, Alice, on the Backtracker History Show. Now, this podcast has been specially edited from a Bradley Stoke radio show in Bristol, England. If you liked it, please leave a rating and maybe a comment. If you didn't, well, let's just leave it at that, shall we? I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me via Twitter or Facebook using at BacktrackerUK with a capital B, a capital T and a capital UK. Or, alternatively, you can email me at info at backtracker.co.uk. By the way, the tune in the background? That's by The Model Folk. You can find out more about them at themodelfolk.com So thank you so much for listening and until next time guys take care and look after each other <laughs>